Good morning, City Life. Good morning, City Lifers, friends, families, guests, visitors, streamers. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to church. And it is my pleasure to say Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of our City Life dads, my dad, my father-in-law, City Life dads, streaming dads, all of you. It's just, I pray that there's something today in this message, in this service, that will just revitalize and give you a deeper passion for the role and responsibility that God has showered on your life to care for one of his little precious babies. I, I just pray that you just love the fact that you are a dad and what comes with that and the calling and the honor that God has shown on us that we get to raise up children to know him and to be themselves, the people that God made them to be. And so as I've been reflecting, getting ready for today, I just ha have been thinking about my son, my, my three-year-old Ryan, and I just, I love that boy so much. And he's been doing something really interesting lately. My mom gave him this puzzle. It's like this 3D cube, and it works on different levels, and it's this marble puzzle. So you have to like start at the starting line, and it just turns and goes around with the cube, and you get to the end. And Ryan, he's actually pretty good at this kid, this toy. He's three years old, and I'm just always so blown away by how much he loves this. He like gets this, and he brings it into the rooms with him because even if he's not playing with it, he wants to be able to see it because he might want to play in a couple minutes, so he wants it here with him. And he'll bring it to the room, and then he'll go to it, try it a few times, put it down, come back to it later. It's just really funny for me to see. And I've also been learning so much about his personality because more and more he's actually done something that is, oh, like, I've been working on with him with. Every once in a while lately he's been like trying really hard, super focused, and then he fails at the puzzle, he falls in one of the traps, or he just, the, the marble loses his place, and he shakes it and gets really mad and slams it down, and I've even seen him cry over it just sometimes, and I'm like, little boy when I saw him do that I, I took the game out of his hands and I grabbed him in my arms and I made sure he was looking at me so that he was really listening to me and I was like look Ryan like don't cry this is just a game this isn't important like this it's not that serious you're actually you're three years old you're doing an amazing job like you shouldn't even be this good adults have a hard time with this game and you're really good at it and I'm like well it's don't let this bother you. Don't let this sink into a place in your heart where it shouldn't be. It's just a game. And I just have been over and over again thinking about how God does that for each and every single one of us so many times in life where we like put things in places that they shouldn't be when we put our worth or our value in things that God never wanted us to put in And I'm just like, wow, like, God, you are consistently such a perfect loving father god you take care of us so many ways and lord please i even pray that today on this father's day that we could see you as the perfect father teach each and every single one of our hearts to take you in as our father that you tell us that you are on father's on mother's day we started this series today is part two of our mother's and father's day joint sermon and last time we talked all about how God knows exactly the condition of our souls and that he knows exactly how to bring us rest. That God knows at all times exactly where we are at, 
how we're doing, what's really in our heart, how I'm really looking at myself and my worth and my value, how God knows all of that. And when I need true help, when I need true care, like soul restoring care, God always brings it to me. And when I'm in a difficult place, when I am most broken, when I am most lost, when I am most unsure of myself, when I am most self-loathing, or even when I am most unsure of God and His goodness and His plans for me or His faithfulness, that's when I'm honest with Him and when I go before Him, when I treat Him like my dad, He brings me the care that my soul needs every single time. On Mother's Day, we started to unlock this by looking at Elijah. Elijah, who is like, I think I would put him number one on my top 10 list of people in scripture who just lived amazing lives. A Sunday school answer besides Jesus. But he's just, he's, he was this incredible person, who this incredible servant who saw amazing things. Remember, God fed him through ravens. He just miracle after miracle followed this man because he was so full of the Lord. And then he gets to this point in in First Kings chapter 19 where he's like, okay, I'm done with this. We're done with Baal. I'm going to challenge all of his prophets. We're going to have this showdown. At the end of this day, it's either God or Baal. And just God shows up so powerfully. And he's like, revival is coming. Change is coming. This is what I've been waiting for. This is what I've been working for my whole life. Like it's coming right now. And then he goes to Jezebel and King Ahab and he sees that no change is coming. That somehow this incredible thing was not enough to change hearts. And something uniquely breaks in this man. One of the best of us. One of the best, most God-filled people in all of scripture. Something truly breaks in him. He was the best of the best. Let's not ignore this. He was one of the people in all of Scripture. And yet, even though he was who he was, he broke. And he's quit. He said, God, I'm done. He resigned. He quit. He fired his servant. He said, God, I'm done. He even got to this point where he's like, God, take my life. I don't even want to live anymore. I'm done. I'm afraid. I'm tired. I thought I was enough. I thought I was the missing piece. I thought that all of this was going to mean and change all of this. He was done, exhausted, and fully extinguished. There was nothing left in him. But God doesn't leave his story like that. God meets Elijah exactly where he was in 1 Kings 19 by doing something that like I think to us is astound- should be astounding and awe-inspiring. God meets Elijah exactly where he is, in all of his brokenness, and he lets him take a nap. The angel of the Lord, which remember we said was God's special presence somewhere. Some people mean it to take it to mean Jesus, and it could very well be, but it could also just be, uh, at the very least, God's direct presence here on earth, where the angel of the Lord is God is somehow in that physical space The angel of the Lord comes, this cosmic, universal God who set everything into being, who like can make everything wrong that he can make everything that's wrong right in like the blink of an eye. And what does the presence of the Lord do for him? He lets him take a nap and he cooks for him two times. 
just what what a loving father to just meet his son in his brokenness not give him a lecture not discipline him not tell him to be better not give him pointers for next time but no he just meets his son he lets him sleep he cake, he bakes him a cake he fills him up a cup for him to drink he wakes him up he feeds him and then he lets him go to sleep again bakes him another cake fills him another cup and meets his son exactly where he is i'm thinking the first cake was funfetti and probably the second cake was a really good lobster tail but god god his presence did that for his servant his broken servant because he knew that's what he needed and so all of my mother's day passage was about how god is the one who knows exactly where we are and exactly how to bring us rest like soul altering soul filling rest and so today, what does Elijah's story bring us now? What does it continue to teach us about God as our parent? And here we are, today is all about how God reminds us of who he really is and how he alone can set us on a better path. I'll say it again. Today is all about this. If you remember nothing else, remember this, that God reminds us who he is and he sets us on a right path with good work to do. And so let me pray for all of our fathers especially, but for all of us today, that we can hear this message, put it somewhere special in our hearts, because whether we can identify to this as parents or not, whether we have been hurt or really broken by our kids or not, or if we just life has gotten us down, let us remind our very hearts, our very souls, that God is the one who restores us, but he doesn't just restore us, he builds us up, he strengthens us, and puts us on a better path. And so let's pray for all of us to hear God's heart in this story. Jesus, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness over our lives. Thank you for empowering us as dads to know you, to get this glimpse of who you identify as, who you tell us that you are, that you are our Father. And so Help us to know how to be filled with your presence so that we can let you bring us rest and then build us up after that. Remind us of who you are today and then give us good work to do. I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I invite you into this, into the preaching of your word, to the hearing of your word, every part of the service, Lord. May you just be speaking to our hearts in powerful ways. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. So today we are actually going back to 1 Kings chapter 19. This on One of my favorite stories in all of scriptures because I just think that God's heart is so vulnerably showed and displayed here for us to see. And we'll start at the very end of where we left off last, last time on Mother's Day. In verse 8 of chapter 19, he says, And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength uh, of that food, 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. God tells Elijah to go. Go to Mount Horeb, which is another name for Mount Sinai, which is the special mountain that God met his people, met Moses very specially and, and differently. And he says, you know what? I'm going to do something new. I'm preparing something new. Go back to my mountain. I'm going to, I'm going to appear again. I'm going to do something powerful in your life. And so he says, Elijah, get up. I just made you this food. Now go up to Mount Horeb. Go to Mount Sinai. And we're going to do something. So he sends off his servant. And as soon as he gets there, 
he asks he asks him he meets him there and he says the lord said to him what are you doing here elijah verse 9 he sent him off and then he asked him the question like what are you doing here funny because he sent him there he knows why he told him to do it, but he wants to hear elijah what are you doing here why are you really here i know you're my servant i know you do what i tell you to do but why are you really here let me hear it and elijah i'm sure i think i've been preaching for long enough to know that you can't really take the preachy out of a preacher right you can't this guy just quit his job he's just like okay i'm done being a prophet i'm not my ministry is over lord but you can never really take the sermon out of a preacher like you can't really ask a preacher to stop preaching ever again and he's preparing this monologue he has this whole story that he wants like God, you need to get this. This is my, this is what I'm struggling with here. He says this to the Lord. He says, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. I just, I think that that is so telling. Notice how many times you hear him say, I, 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 like, Lord, I have been so jealous for you. I've done this. I have done this. It's really clear to see that Elijah's really stuck in himself right now. And it makes sense because he's broken and he's hurt and he's so disappointed. But he's like, God, like me, like, I'm, I've been so jealous for you. I'm the last one. I'm the best one. Like, I thought I was better than my father's. We talked about that last time. He's still so stuck in himself. And something incredible happens after here. Like, one of the most unique stories in all of scripture as soon as he says that god says that he is going to god himself is going to walk by just like he did to moses all those years ago he's going to walk by his mountain and as soon as he does out of nowhere this strong wind comes and it's tearing this mountain apart it is this mountain imagine being on a mountain and having wind so strong that it's shattering rocks the interesting here thing is that scripture says that God wasn't in this wind. Okay, interesting. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, an earthquake comes. And the one thing we can be sure of and count on is that the ground underneath our feet is solid. It is going nowhere. Imagine the earth shaking and being on top of a mountain is like lord okay this must be the end of the world here i don't know what is happening the ground underneath me is shaking but it says that god wasn't in that earthquake interesting and then out of nowhere fire breaks out and i don't even know how to picture this like i've been trying to picture what does it mean for this fire to be here i can't even picture it but elijah just had this amazing powerful experience with fire when fire rained down from heaven and consumed the altar, it's like, wow, I, I, don't, if it, I don't know how to picture that, but this incredible fire just is there. But it says that God wasn't in the fire. And all these things, all these three things that God had worked in, that he had done miraculous things for and on behalf of Israel in the past, God wasn't in any of them. And then all of a sudden, God was in something. He was in a whisper, in a small voice. In verse 12, Elijah hears God speak to him in a whisper. And I can already see it like now, like God getting on his knee, whispering to his servant so that his servant would have to come closer to him, would have to draw near to him. He's like, my son, listen to me. 
every night before Anne and I go to sleep, we go into Ryan's room and I just I we I give him a kiss and I whisper in his ear that I that we love him. Because I want even his unconscious self to know that he is loved and that he is safe. I'll do that with Paige, but she will wake up if I go and that cannot happen. And so until now I'll only do I'll do it with Ryan, but it's like, little boy, we love you. You are safe here. We just we want you to know that we love you. And here God starts whispering to Elijah in this intimate setting, talking to him like really intimately, really beautifully. And this whisper asks him a, Elijah a question. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? The same question. Hoping that all of this would shake him, would remind him of how big God is, of how otherworldly God is. But preacher Elijah, he must have been so proud of his sermon because he gives it again word for word. Nothing changes it. All those signs did not change where he was and not get him out of himself and out of his own mind, out of his own way. He was still just so focused on himself. He said it word for word, the same speech. I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And then we get to see here God act. God fathering his son here in this moment by reminding Elijah who God really is and giving him good work to do. Verse 15 here starts, it just utterly changes the trajectory of this story and it has so many beautiful lessons for us to learn. So let's start with 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 15. It says, And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abelmolah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death, and the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave seven thousand in Israel, all three, oh, sorry, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Let's break this down. Let's see how God is fathering Elijah here so perfectly. Let's talk about Hazael. Hazael is just like so incredible. I, this should surprise us to our very core. Every time God acts in a way that we just expect, don't expect him to and even think like, God, you cannot do that. One of the things, the first thing that God tells him to do is he says, go back to Damascus, go to Syria and anoint Hazael as their king. And to us, we, like the first thing should be like, okay, why is a prophet of Israel going to Syria, Syria of all places, but why is he going anywhere else, anointing a king over another? And like, God, that doesn't make sense. What happened to Israel being set apart? I thought you only worked through Israel. I thought you mainly worked through your people. And here, what, what he's really reminding Elijah is that God oversees the whole world. That God is always so much bigger than us. The first part about this is that God oversees the entire world and nothing escapes the sight of his justice and the work of his mission. 
here, Elijah, I can, I can see God like getting on one knee and saying, go to Damascus, the place that you and Israel think is the most evil, the dirtiest, the most corrupt place on this planet, and you anoint their next king. You know why? Because my justice, my mission, my efforts is everywhere in the world. It's every place that you do not expect and that God can use things that we think are evil to do his plan. I'm like, Lord, you cannot do that. You cannot work through a Syrian. You can't work through someone in Damascus. Excuse me. It's like, why, why would you do that? Why would you stoop yourself so low? Like, no, I'm like, God, don't do that. But here, God is breaking Elijah out of his shell. He's saying, you know what? I oversee the entire world. Nothing in this world is beyond my purview, is beyond my mission, is beyond what I can do. You go to Assyria, you anoint this guy who you think is your enemy, and he's going to be doing my will. He's going to bring justice for me. Like they, uh, I think of all the areas today in the world today where like, God, you can't act there. Like, God, you can't use that. Like, no, that's too, like, that's too evil. Like, no, no, no. But here, God is showing Elijah, he's breaking down his prison in his cell, saying, I can use the entire world. Nothing is beyond my work. Elijah, don't forget that I oversee the whole world. You'll never see the whole picture. You'll never see the end like I see it. I know exactly what I'm doing. Go to Damascus and anoint this guy. He's like, don't only just go to Damascus, right? I don't just oversee the whole world. Go and anoint Jehu. Then he says, the second thing he says, you know, after you go and anoint Hazael, after I demonstrate to you that I can work through anything and that I might have my hands around this whole world, you go and appoint the next king of Israel. You go and anoint Jehu. You go, because God is saying here, he's reminding him, he's like, no, I also, I don't just oversee the world, I oversee my nation. I oversee my movement over and over and over again. I think that this meant something really special to Elijah because he's like, how wicked is King Ahab? How destructive is Jezebel? Like they're just killing people. I'm the only one left. We've heard him say that twice. Like, God, they're just changing everything. Everyone is leaving you because of these two people. Why don't you do something? Why don't you act? Like, who are you? Aren't you a God who like acts and does stuff and takes care of your own? And God's saying here, he's saying, you know, there's no evil that escapes my sight. There's nothing that will go unanswered. I take care of my nation. This is my people. I take care of what's mine. Everything horrible that they've done is going to be answered for. I've been preparing Jehu for even longer than you've even known that who he was. I've been preparing him. I've been walking him. I've been getting him ready to do what I have called him to. Go and anoint him because he's going to do my will. He's going to be a part of bringing in what I want to be done. Saying, Elijah, don't ever think that you're the only one working for me in my movement. Don't think that my plan needs to rely only on you to get things done. I've been preparing Jehu for a long time, so go and anoint him because I take care of my nation. I oversee my people. I take care of what's mine. Justice is coming, and it's my movement to bring it. And then he, t he goes to my favorite one. He says, go and anoint Elisha. Elisha is, is very funny because for all, so many of us are like, oh, we get their names confused. Is it Elisha or Elijah? I might even say the wrong name once or twice here as I'm talking about them. 
But when I see God telling him, he's like, go and tell Elijah, go and anoint Elisha that he's going to be the next you. I hear God saying to him with a fatherly heart, I hear him saying, you know, Elijah, you don't take care of the whole world. I'm preparing your replacement. My whole plan doesn't rely on your shoulders. I just see all the times where, like, where I take Ryan and I'm like, Ryan, don't worry. It's so much bigger than what you think. It's so much more special. Like, don't worry. This is just a game. This has nothing to do with who you are, how smart you are. You are so good at this game. And like, I take him and I hug him and I need him to be to know that he's loved. And I see that in him, in God preparing Elijah's replacement and God telling him to go anoint him. Because he's saying in all the loving ways, he's saying two things. The first thing is like, it's not all about you. Which when we actually hear God say that is not a put down, but the most freeing thing in the world that God could ever say because he's saying, you know what, it's not all on your shoulders. It isn't all about you. It's like, yeah, Elijah, you are not any better than your father's, but that is like in all the right ways because I haven't made you to solve all the world's issues. Only I solve all the world's issues. Elijah, you're my son. I get to do these amazing miracles with you and through you. You did incredible things. Your story will never be forgotten. Everyone who calls on my name from this point on will know who you are and what you did with me. But it doesn't stop at you. My story doesn't stop at you. Like, I love you so much. I would never burden you that way. I would never dump all of my plans or I would never dump the success or failure of my movement just on you. I love you too much to do that to you. And he's like, you know, actually, I've even even heard you say two times now, you're the last one. You're the only one. You're the, like, the last person in Israel who loves me. And then he's, God's like thinking, do you really think that? Because you shouldn't. Because actually, I've kept 7,000 people in Israel from ever worshiping Baal. But you think you're the last one. You think that you are this special last person who has never ever bow down to Baal he's like actually I've kept 7,000 people away from him I've kept this like whole movement this whole army of people for myself people that you've never heard of that you've never met 7,000 people I've kept for myself and I've done that not you I did it for myself and I just I just hear the God's God's father the father's heart ringing out in there says like it's not all about you I'm on mission. I'm doing things that you could never imagine. I remember when I went to, when I moved to Chicago to do my year of uh, urban missions. I remember my program took me there. I was placed there. And when I got there, I met all of these families that moved into my neighborhood because God had told them to. Like people uh, who are white, people who are black, people who are Asian, People who are Latino, all these people came and they started this nonprofit and lived. They said, you know what? This, the struggles of this community are going to be my family's struggles as well. I'm moving my family here because if I don't, I'm not all in. And I just remember saying, it's like, wow, I like never, I thought we were going to be the only ones here. I didn't know that God had like set up all these secret agents all over the place in this community. I didn't know that. I was like, I had such a small view of what God could do in this community, but there's actually this whole secret army here working to bring God's justice to restore human dignity in the lives of the homeless people here. I was, like, I was so incredibly blown away because I thought we were coming in. It was going to be the five of us. And I met so many families that made it their life's mission to serve this one neighborhood. 
And it's just a beautiful reminder here, like God saying to us, he takes care of his people, that he has people who will know his name, people who are praying in all of the darkest areas of the world, in all of the places where like God is not here, he does not exist here, we need to bring him here. Like, no, 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 God is like saying, go and do, go and appoint Hazael because I'm actually everywhere and I'm in all of the places you think I'm not. Go and appoint Jehu because, you know, I'm actually even working revival. I'm working uh, people to come back to me for a deeper life in my own people. And then he says, you know what, even in Elisha, it's not only about you, but I restore the hearts of everyone that I serve. I'm preparing, I've been preparing Elisha to take after you because my plan is going to continue. It's not all on you. Don't feel the pressures of the world on your shoulders because I never told you to take those on. I'm here. This is my plan. And I'm going to realize this plan well after you're here. I just love how we see God's heart to take care of his son. At first, he met him exactly where he was broken and devastated he fed his belly he let him sleep he gave him space but he was there present and did that for him himself did that for elijah himself but we're not just this series of people who break down and then get lifted up we get break down and get no but god gives us work that will strengthen us that will teach us that will make us stronger next time so that we don't always fall in these things and so let's wrap this up a little bit so that we can get God's heart of how he is this perfect father for all of us. And so church, to conclude this two-part sermon, I, I pray that we, as God's children, each and every single one of us, born again as his children, realize that life is so much more about having presence and relationship with God than it is doing things for him, than it is being together all the time, of being perfect, that often we are like my son playing this game and just getting so frustrated, getting so mad when God's saying, you know, it's not all about you. It's not all on your shoulders. I have my hands everywhere. I'm using all of these things that you will never even imagine, that you didn't even know were possible to bring about my justice, that I see the end game even right now and I know how I'm working it out. I know how I'm working it out with the people who aren't even a part of the equation now. I know how to use all of the things that you think are too far gone. I know how to work in the heart of my people, bringing them my true justice of making all of the past pains, of, of restoring everything that in my people, people have done bad things and I'm even losing words. And then how God also is on a march to like take care of each and every single one of our hearts saying it's not on our shoulders doesn't all depend on us, but that we get this privilege of knowing God, that we can ask for his personal presence in our lives and say like, Lord, I need to do this with you. I need every part of my life to be like this, what we see right here, of you giving me work to do and then empowering me to do it. I pray that we realize all of us, us as parents that we have this like special, beautiful privilege of raising kids, kids up to know God to have a relationship with them and to be who they who God made them to be that there's healing in God's presence that God is working in all of our hearts to bring us back to him that he is often whispering in our ears and it's for us to lean in into him to have this intense 
intimate moment with him saying, like, God, Father, what are you telling me? That God is unlike all of our earthly parents, the horrible ones and the good ones, because he is so much better than all of them, Lord, that I want to know you as my father. I want to receive your care that you offer. I want you to pick me up every time that I fall and for you to build me back up to make me strong by giving me the right work to do, the right work to be about. And so church, I pray that we have a special Father's and Mother's Day this year to know that God cares for us deeply, that there's healing inside of relationship with Him, that if we're honest and broken and open ourselves up to Him, He will meet us, He'll care for us without a lecture, without spanking us, without being abusive, without telling us to be better, but He will meet us exactly where we are and he'll bring us the care that only he can, and then he'll set us on a right path. Like, Lord, thank you for being this perfect heavenly father, taking care of us in all of the right ways that, like, I can't, I'm too small to ever even imagine. Lord, I'll never know the full grasp of what you're doing in this world. And so give me a role to play. I want to play a smart, no matter how small it is, Lord, like, I want, I don't need to be a top 10 person like I think Elijah was. I just, Lord, give me something to do. Give me work to do to find you and to have a relationship with you. And so church, we love you all. We love all of our fathers out here. Happy Father's Day. I pray that this day is special. I pray that also some of us, all of those who can, go to World Refugee Day later today at 2. Right after this, we will not be doing prompt calls because we want to make room for all of our fathers just like we did on Mother's Day for the fathers to be celebrated and also for us to like put our love and our fatherhood in action by taking care of these refugee kids who we just have been called to go and have fun with. I wish I could be there myself, but unfortunately it turned out to be this week that I'm in Florida again. And so church, we love you all. We can't wait to be together. Hopefully we'll have news about being together. Our next beta is going to be June 27th. And I uh, can't wait to see you all. We'll see you in our MCs. We'll see you in everything that we do. Love your father today. Give him some special attention. And uh, church, we'll talk to you again soon.